0: That's the hardest part. It kind of made me feel like this is like a no-win situation.
1: Right. Because
0: I'm going to find data that proves my point, point. you're going to find data that proves your point, and my data beats up your data. <laughs> Where do you go from there? Hey, everyone. My name is Al Gugliata, and I want to welcome you to The Unlearning Project. Hey Virginia.
1: Hey Al. All
0: right, I want to talk about what happened last week. Okay. Just a little circling back, you just made things clear for me. Uh. So let me tell the audience what happened. Okay. If you listen to last week's episode, we made a lot of references to statistics from different news organizations, mm-hmm. and Virginia does the show notes for me when she put the podcast together and sent me over the finished product. Mm-hmm. I noticed there was like five or six references to news articles that basically proved her point in the conversation, Hmm. in my opinion, more the left point, and basically disproved a couple of things that I said. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, this is totally (laughs) one-sided. Showing how the left's view is right and my view is wrong. And I initially got a little agitated.
1: And I think it's interesting that you thought that. Yeah. Because some of the links were like CDC and websites that are legitimate. So I thought it was interesting that you took it that way.
0: Well, one of them was like the New Scientist and one of them was MSNBC I think, or NBC. Hmm. We took everything off of the show notes because then I came back, I got a little defensive. Hmm. And then I started to realize, well, I want to talk about this today because this is what's happening in like just normal conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're doing a podcast together. We're open-minded people. We're talking about the subjects. I thought we had a great conversation, but it's still polarized. It's like, I'm not convincing you. You're not convincing me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I threw in the towel on trying to convince people at this point of anything. <laughs> it's just have the conversation, speak your minds. I'll listen to your points. You listen to mine. And maybe we just agree to disagree, right? At the end. Right. But it was interesting that that happened because then you start to realize this is happening. It happens between friends friends. It happens between family members. I'm sure the holiday's coming up. Right. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's going to be the most like crazy Thanksgiving and Christmas. Man, you know, like 20, 30 of your family members all talking about this crap. Mm-hmm. Drinks going. My God, it's going to get heated. <laughs> so Virginia made me aware. She's like, well, I didn't actually put together those show notes. My assistant did.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I thought... She was like online trying to prove her points yeah. and it wasn't even her doing it. Mm-mm. And it just took me full circle. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, why am I so not hardened in my beliefs, but why am I so defensive if somebody challenges my beliefs? Mm-hmm. Like, everybody gets defensive with this stuff. So I took it, pulled back a little bit. I wanted to address it just today because you're going to find when you listen to the last podcast, you're going to find statistics in there you may or may not agree with. They might be contrary. If you do a Google search, you're going to find something completely different. And this is what's really bugging me. I think this is the problem with this whole system of trying to find data is like there's data on both sides and you could always find contradicting data. Mm -hmm. So you find one point from the CDC and then you find a university that just disproved that point. And it's like, who do you believe? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like, What institution do you believe? Now you got news organizations that are all political. So you got the left news organization, the right news organization, everything in the middle.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And like they're all slanted for their own, you know, way of thinking. What do you believe? That's the hardest part. It kind of made me feel like this is like a no win situation. Right. Cause I'm going to find data that proves my point. You're going to find data that proves your point. And my data beats up your data. <laughs> Where do you go from there?
1: Yeah. And I think it's tough to know. I want to default and say that, like, whatever you find on the CDC is absolutely correct. I hope so. I mean, they are the organization, right?
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So that would be my ultimate reference or whatever. And I wouldn't really expect to find much to the contrary. Mm -hmm. But it is tough because all statistics can be manipulated to reflect whatever the study is looking to do yeah and this is uh I wish I could remember the guy's name but the guy that came up with the food pyramid mm-hmm. that is taught in school yeah <laughs> these days the reason it is structured the way it is has to do with the way that he manipulated his study mm-hmm. and essentially he had enough money and enough, charisma and you know whatever else to go and market his study more than someone else okay and so that is why like nationwide even the government shared out like oh this is the food pyramid this is the way you should eat right because now, like, if you look at it, like, the breads and grains is, like, really large uh, and <laughs> the meats is really large and the vegetables and fruits is kind of small. And if you just look at that with common sense, you're like, "No, that's, that's kind of making us kind of fat here. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: We grew up in the low-fat kind of, remember that whole thing?
1: Yes.
0: I always remember everything was low-fat, right?
1: Yes. And that's another thing that I learned recently that… Sugar is like its own industry. Yes. And so to combat, you know, basically being a bad guy, Mm -hmm. the sugar industry, including like Coca-Cola, Kellogg's, like all those big corporations just funded massive amounts of studies to prove that, oh, it's the fat that's bad. So you should eat low fat, but don't worry about the sugar. That's okay.
0: And these the institutions we believed. And it was wrong, right?
1: Yes. It was like this entire documentary. It was so interesting.
0: I grew up in the 80s. So I remember like buying low-fat yogurt, skim milk... Oh, yeah. All kinds of sugary cereals. Mm -hmm. But fat was the worst. Nothing with fat. Yeah. Sugar's fine. Fat's the worst thing.
1: And then now you look at like keto and paleo and all
0: these. It started with the Atkins diet, right? People losing tons of weight by eating just fat and protein. Very minute amounts of... And then you look at any bodybuilder. So I got into like weightlifting when I was like 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And I did an amateur bodybuilding show when I was 19. And I learned all about it, how to diet. And I was like, oh, you just keep bringing down the carbohydrates. Everything You still need fats. Fats are good for like your hormones and for like satiation. Mm-hmm. Protein you need, it's just a muscle building, amino acid. Basically, you need it for muscle building and preservation. The carbohydrates, like that was the thing to get very lean.
1: Mm-hmm. You needed to start
0: bringing those down. Right. Next to nothing toward the end." Bodybuilding was not a healthy way of doing it, (laughs) but it showed me how to manipulate body fats.
1: Yeah. And part of what your body does with carbs is like turns it to fat. Am I saying it backwards? Turns it to sugar, right? So that it can burn it.
0: Right. So it's all sugar. Yeah, So basically all carbs turn into sugar. So if you eat sugar, that's sugar, obviously. Yeah. If you eat bread, it turns into sugar. Alcohol turns into sugar. Right. Everything, rice, pasta.
1: So now the actual like food pyramid, which was supposedly proven with statistics from this doctor way back when, is now like...
0: Yes. The big institution. Wasn't that the FDA?
1: Yeah. So that's what it was. He got them to accept it because he... Funded it and was more charismatic Mm -hmm. and did more talks and was in more meetings. And he was just like very forward and pushy and out there about it. Right. So they bought into it. Whereas like someone else. So this
0: is the FDA. This is the organization that basically puts their stamp of approval on things Mm -hmm. such as vaccines. Right. Yeah. Isn't the FDA. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I think. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I mean, it's a big institution. And now you wonder why people don't trust institutions. Mm -hmm. It was blatantly bad science. Blatantly. It was basically bought off by the sugar industry.
1: Yeah. And that just goes to show that like any statistics can be twisted and manipulated. Yes. To reflect whatever. Like you can include such and such in your study or exclude it and... Yeah, it's very interesting. And even just like a single word in your final statement about your study can twist the meaning just with one word. Right. So it's really interesting.
0: That deep rooted distrust of our institutions. Think about all the big institutions. So you think about like the oil industry. Mm-hmm. Do people trust the oil industry? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Do people trust the banking industry? Not after oh eight, oh nine, they don't trust them. Do people <laughs> trust the pharmaceutical industry? With the opioid epidemic and like, Mm-mm. so these are giant <laughs> industries, right? Right. And then do they trust the governments? No, not anymore. They used to not yeah. with the people that are in office. So people don't trust that people don't trust the news organizations anymore. So it's like, there's this whole array of like distrust, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody knows where to get their information from. And that's what's made this into such a heated argument and people are so gripping onto their sides because they're being fed information, and then they're trying to find more information that confirms what they already believe,
2: mm-hmm. instead
0: of looking at the other side. So, for instance, I had a conversation with a friend just recently. We were talking about just statistics about people that are killed by police officers every year, and he was trying to say that you know more black people are killed by police officers than white people, and. Mm. I just quoted Sam Harris. I didn't do the research myself. Sam Harris on one of his podcasts says, that's inaccurate. You know, double the amount of white people in any given year are killed by police officers than black people. Hmm. And it got heated, but it got to a point where he basically exclaimed to me that if you think those statistics are right, then this conversation is over. Hmm. I'm like, why would this conversation be over? I'm just telling you what a reputable source. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I mean, I don't think Sam Harris he's got a giant podcast. He's an intellectual. I know that he goes through his podcast. It's not live. So he does his research before he does anything. Nobody could agree on the research.
2: Mm.
0: Even when you have hard numbers, they just twist it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know Then it becomes, well, how many Black people are in the population compared to white people? That's immaterial. It all has to do with how many criminal acts were done with both populations. Anyway, long story short, with somebody that I get along with well and that I, we got just at this stalemate where it was like, if you believe that your conversation's over. Hmm. Okay. I'm like, I guess that's doesn't really.
1: Interesting.
0: I was shocked. I was shocked. And it, again, we're still friends. It wasn't like this like relationship blow up or anything. It was just, wow. Yeah. And if me and him are doing that, you can see why things are happening the way they are. Hmm. I just want to go back to a time where like, man, people trust each other. Something like World War II when it happened, like something so horrible, the whole country came together for like a single cause. Right. And I feel like we had the opportunity to do that with a pandemic, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: didn't happen. It just completed straight, you know, turned into protests and riots and just all kinds of craziness. Right. Anyway. I don't know why I'm rambling on about this, but (laughs) I wanted to get into education. Yeah. But if you had something to say, go for it. I know you were trying to talk there.
1: We've watched different documentaries. And sometimes I have leaned more to the side of, you know what? I think they patrol more in what could be assumed as like impoverished or higher crime areas, and then the populations in those areas do tend to be Black, Hispanic, Latino, you know, all the minorities. Right. And then there was one documentary that we watched that was talking about the rate of incarceration of white versus Black. Mm -hmm. And that went into even a lot of the laws that have been put into place. Clinton was part of it. Reagan was part of it. Having to do with, like, cracking down on crack cocaine. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's such a cheap drug that instead of cracking down on heroin, which is more likely to, you know, be expensive. And so, the wider communities are typically going to have more heroin versus crack is cheap. Mm -hmm. And so, that's going to be the more impoverished communities. Yeah. So, that right there just immediately targeted Black and Latino communities right there. So then they were talking about how even the rate of incarceration is higher for those communities because that's where the police knew they would find the drugs. You know, it's just,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It was really interesting, really interesting. And stuff that like I didn't even know, you know, just not living in those communities. I'm not saying we were wealthy growing up because we for sure were not. But I wasn't exposed to that yeah. type of life. I mean, there wasn't cops driving up and down the street. I, mean, I still felt like my parents did as good a job as they could as, you know, getting us into a nice community. And I didn't see stuff like that. So I had no idea. But anyway, so that's what I know <laughs> about the topic. But
0: yeah, um. no, that's actually a great point. No, the crack cocaine thing, as opposed to just regular cocaine too, Right, like, crack was like you'd be served a longer sentence
2: mm-hmm,
0: for it's the basically the same drug, but it's cheaper and it's sold to the poor community. Yes. So with that in mind, with what's been happening, so when you talk about police brutality and that kind of stuff, so we've seen protests and riots and all this stuff. And anytime there's a new video mm-hmm. of a black person being shot by a cop, no matter what the circumstance, there's riots, right? I, every time it has, it's happening in Wisconsin right now, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And again, I don't want to get into statistics. There's no need to. Mm-hmm. They're all mixed. It's hard to decipher anything from them. But basically, if there's more white people being shot by cops, and when that happens, and they're videoed just as much, but they're never publicized.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you see a, a white guy get you know held down, Tony Timpa. Three cops got on him. They held him down for 13 minutes. He basically died on the grounds.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I heard about that.
0: Yeah. Most people haven't. And there was no protest for Tony Timpa, and There was no riots or no nothing. Mm-hmm. But it seems like every time there's a Black person that this happens to, there are. And again, back to the collateral damage, I just did a quick, again, Google search. <laughs> and the BLM riots you know, produced over 25 deaths during the course of the pandemic. And that's not even speaking about the lack of social distancing in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. We have 50,000 people getting together without masks because they're protesting something they disagree with. It's just you can't play both sides of this.
1: So I don't know if this is a dumb question or not, but why do you think there are not riots or like any protests or whatever for the white person who's held down? versus the black person that's held down why do you think that's not getting attention versus attention or like why do you think it's in the news or not in the news
0: well because i think there's this overall narrative that's saying there's police brutality that's directly targeting the black community Hmm. and if you look at the numbers which again (laughs) i want to get to numbers I mean, just listening to like a Sam Harris, who just kind of goes through the numbers. Mm-hmm. There's like a thousand people that die from cops every year in the US. There's over 10 million arrests. So 10 million arrests, a thousand people are killed by cops. Hmm. Okay. And the majority of those people are white. And then, you know, of course, there's difference in populations. It could be argued either way. My point being is why are we like making it as this global or, you know, nationwide epidemic of cops targeting That's the narrative. And it's given like the police the worst name. Like, yeah, they have the worst public relations in this country. I mean, it escalated to the point where police officers are like taking a knee and they're letting crimes just go on Mm. because they don't want to be caught on tape doing anything. It's just a weird society. I feel like we live in with,
2: Hmm.
0: you know, everybody talking about BLM, focusing on these like really publicizing these videos that people are catching on camera. Blowing it up, so now you got protests and riots all around the country based on some guy that died, and he may have died because you know he was attacking the officer, or had a knife in his hand, or had a weapon, or was just high on freaking God knows what. But it's very taboo to talk about these types of subjects. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just sort of like the left and the woke. No, 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 no. You don't talk anything bad about minorities.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, so it's this weird place. That we're in, where we can't talk about these things, and we just have to accept them. I just think it's something to be aware of because I think we're easily influenced by media.
1: Well, apparently you are because you watch it, and I'm not because I don't watch. It. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, I guess I,
0: yeah. So it's me just basically telling you what's going on in the country.
1: Yeah, give me my news update, Al.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you're not missing anything. I shouldn't listen to it. It's not doing me any good, mental health wise. Anyway, let's get to the topic that we originally started with education.
1: Yeah. What did you want to talk about education? Like, maybe you can tell me what your teacher friends are going through, or like, what are you seeing there?
0: In a nutshell, from the beginning of the pandemic, I came from the camp that I wanted to get my kids back into school ASAP.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, if they're out for a month, two months max, fine. We had to do it for the pandemic to lower the numbers. They need to be in school. Like kids, are, we're social animals. They need to be back in school. Mm-hmm. Never happened. Kids were out of school for a full year. So of course, a lot of the parents were up in arms about this and they wanted their kids to go back to school.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the teachers were, this isn't all or nothing or everyone, it's generalizing. A lot of the teachers didn't want to go back to school mm-hmm. because they didn't think it was safe. And the administration didn't want to send the kids back to school because they didn't think it was safe. Mm-hmm. And so the parents and the administration would be at odds with each other. And this is going on till today. Now it's you know has to do with more mask mandates and vaccine mandates for the kids. And where is that going to play out? So I wanted to kind of get into where we stand on it because we're both parents. We both have children.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I've always been from the mindset that the kids need to go back to school, that they need to not wear a mask. Hmm. Like get back to normal as soon as possible because you're effing up these kids. Their social skills are getting messed up. Not only are they behind on their studies, of course, that's been proven. Like some of them are saying some of these kids are like over a year behind because they just couldn't keep up with the Zoom stuff and they missed like a whole grade of education. Mm -hmm. That seems like small pickings to me. I'm more about the social cohesion, interacting with friends. There's all these like little social cues, like from a psychological standpoint, kids are very impressionable. They're very, you know, they're in a developmental stage. And when you remove the social aspect where you can't see somebody's face and you got to be six feet apart and you're walking in these lines and it's got to do something detrimental to them, I would assume Hmm. over time, especially over long periods of time. I mean, it's almost a weird, obviously it's not solitary confinement, but it's confining.
1: So tell me, were your kids out of school actually for an entire year?
0: Entire year. Yeah. So they were home. Oh, wow. Home for an entire year. I think they had like two weeks that they, you know, it was just a mess. Okay. I think at the last two weeks of the school year, they did one day on, one day off. Huh. The whole entire year was basically on Zoom. And the funny the county right over from us, open.
1: Okay. But your county, the schools just were not open. You had to do homeschool?
0: You had to do like Zoom they did school but virtual.
1: Yeah, like a school at home option. So the teachers right. were on Zoom and your kids are all at home.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, so my daughter sat in her bedroom for an entire year, you know.
1: Interesting.
0: So she'd wake up in the morning, she'd get onto her laptop, she'd sit there the whole day. Yeah. In her bed, and it was just a scramble. It's easy for me cuz I work from home, so I'm like, "Come on, let's go. I'll take you out to lunch. Let's go for a walk in the park. Let's get out." Uh-huh. Some parents can't do that.
1: Yeah. And then, what's it like now? Is everything like, are they social distanced at school? Are there dividers in between their desks? Like, what does it look like now?
0: So, it looks like they all have to wear masks at all times. I mean, I think they could take them off while they're eating. Yeah. I think they could take them off outside. But, yeah, there is social distancing when they eat outside. Yeah, they're okay. There's like little nuances to it. Like, they have to, I think they have to sit six feet apart in the cafeteria if they're in there. But yeah, basically masks, like you have to have masks. Okay. And most of the kids are now getting vaccinated. That's happening. So, I mean, I don't know if it's getting better. I'm not sure exactly what's happening with that.
1: So it's funny that you and I are in different parts of the country because your experience is very different than my experience. So your daughter's older. Yep. My kids are still in elementary. So in 2020, the end of the school year... just closed early we thought we were going to go back and thought we were going to go back and like it just didn't go back yeah they tried some online stuff but i think all the teachers were scrambling at that point yeah and just nothing really worked and i even was like forget it like i have workbooks for my kids we do a lot of education and reading at home so from my perspective i knew that educationally mine would be fine
0: and your husband's a school teacher, right?
1: Yes. My husband's a school teacher. I work from home. So we have the flexibility to do that. And it was like almost summer. So we were about to be all him for the summer, anyways. And then going back to school in the fall of 2020 was for six weeks, everybody was home and they did the online. And our district did the Google console. So mm-hmm. it was all in Google Meets. And Again, I'm home. I work from home. My kids see me on Zoom and online and talking to people virtually all the time. So they were kind of excited to just feel like they were being like mommy. You know, they Mm -hmm. they get to talk to somebody online, too, and they get to do their work just like mommy does. Right. Right. So I think that helped. Not to mention that my office is right across from their bedrooms. And Mm -hmm. so I bought them both desks and chairs and little desk lights. And I got them totally set up, made a big deal of it. And so we did that. And I think it went well. And again, I think we've mentioned this before. We are not struggling with any kind of learning disabilities or anything like that. So that is also where I am very well aware my experience is much different (laughs) than even some of my friends.
0: You're in a privileged, yeah.
1: Yeah. So after that, though, that 2020 to 2021 school year, they did go back. Their desks in school, everyone had like a divider, kind of like those science fair boards Mm -hmm. that you can bend. So it was like that. And there was a clear plastic cutout to where they could see through it and see the teacher. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, they were kind of enclosed. So it was like that all year distance. They were not allowed to go to the cafeteria. The food was brought to them and they were to stay at their desk. Mm -hmm. So they ate at their desk. It was definitely like a very social distanced thing. Again, we're in Texas. We have pretty nice weather most of the year. So they went outside as much as they could, even for PE. Instead of that being in the gym, they've gone outside. Mm -hmm. This school year is largely just normal. The dividers are gone. Kids can wear masks or not. There was a short period where masks were required by every person who entered the building. Now it's kind of a choice thing. Yeah. And just recently, they started reallowing parent volunteers and that you could come and actually have lunch with your kid because for this year, and I guess.
0: Yeah, you weren't even allowed in the school. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the other adjustment that was different last year. Along with the dividers and social distance and all that, was that each grade level entered into the door of their own hallway.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: So the front main doors of the schools were not being used. And that was their way of keeping grade levels separate and trying to like quarantine in a way. And that is not the case anymore. We're back to like everybody use the front door, a lot more mixing. And then even just for my family, for my kids, what we have said, and my kids are like fine with it. They forget that they even have their mask on. they like, don't care. Like I will take off their mask because I'm like, I can't understand you. And I'm like taking it off.
0: And that's the thing. My kids were good too. They dealt with it well. Yeah. They don't care. They were bummed out by the end of the year, not having in-person school, but they dealt with it fine. But I had a lot of friends that struggled with their kids. Mm-hmm. Like ADHD. I mean, a kid, imagine you have a boy that has ADHD or that's hyperactive. I mean, what do you do with that kid? You're going to lock him in a freaking bedroom and make him like just sit at a computer screen. He's not going to do it and he can't do it. And it's torture. Mm-mm.
1: Well, and that's like I was saying, I mean, that's so hard. I mean, I'm here. Yeah. I could literally push pause and go help them, you know, and I can hear what their teacher's saying and I can hear if my son is getting nervous because it's almost his turn to stand up and talk or whatever's going on. I can hear it and I'm right here. But yeah, like if the parent is not able to be that attentive, whether it be work reasons or personal reasons, or maybe they have their own mental health issues going on because that happened a lot last year.
0: Yeah. And I think this is where the anger from the parents is coming from. Yeah. Everyone's over it. And the numbers aren't supporting the kids are safer. With all this on, Mm. kids are not being affected by this. (laughs) Even with the CDC numbers, they're not being affected. That population of our country is not being affected by this virus. Are there cases? Yes, there are cases. Have people died? Yes, some have died. Mm -hmm. But from a percentage basis, it's literally a non-issue. It's always been an issue for over 65 pre-existing condition. That was the most susceptible part of the population. Right, But for whatever reason, we continue with these carpet bombing strategies when it should be surgical, right? It should be like a surgical strike. But instead, what we do is we just blanket everything. You know, everybody needs to wear masks. Everyone needs to get vaccinated. Everyone needs to do Why does everyone need to do this? Kids should need to do this. Again, this is where I kind of get upset with this stuff. Kids are suffering and parents are suffering. I was the lucky one. You were the lucky one, too. Mm -hmm. You have kids that don't have developmental disabilities. I don't either. My kids are homebodies anyway. They almost kind of took to like sitting at home. But I have one friend in particular that has a boy that's freaking... I guess he's hyperactive, but he's just got tons of energy. He's like a boy. He's 11 years old. He's all over the place. He's on a scooter all day. He could just ride his bike all day. He can't do anything. And he's in tears. Like He's in tears every day because he can't. Follow or concentrate on his work Mm -hmm. from a computer. That's one person that I know. How prevalent is that in society? Yeah. But it's not talked about. It's just sort of sweeping, whatever. I kind of get this feeling of like, that's what these laws are made. And then I'm like, well, what about this? Like, eh, whatever. We got to protect them against the virus.
1: Yeah.
0: Are you going to protect them against their freaking mental breakdown? Are you going to protect them (laughs) against that? I don't know. That's where I come from.
1: That's where, you know, from a big picture standpoint, rules and laws and even just like the structure of the way the curriculum is designed and just like all of this stuff is just for the majority. Even the way that the kids are taught in school and the school structure and all that, we've touched on this before, is to create little human cogs that will go out into the world and become an employee. Mm Mm-hmm. And so like maybe that kiddo who has so much energy and who doesn't quite fit in the box that school wants him to, he's going to go be the next Elon Musk. Maybe. And it's really hard. And I know that some people aren't that in tune to this, but that's where it's our job as parents to pick up on what the kid is strong at and how to help them with their strengths and go ahead and educate them maybe in a completely different way. Like maybe he needs to be educated while you're out camping so that he can be outside and so there can be distractions and he can find calm Mm -hmm. in a different environment. School environment's just not working for him. That is so common.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue. And
1: society cannot do that for us, right? Like the laws and the structure and the way that we're supposed to go to school and all that, They have to just do like the large majority. Yeah. You go to school, you know, you're going to work nine to five. got to do this online, read these books. You have to be able to produce this much. Like you're being taught to be a cog. Mm -hmm. And some people just, that's not going to work.
0: Very true. And so leads me right into the idea of like, so what role do you play as a parent in deciding on what your kids should be taught? Mm -hmm. Like subject matter that they should be taught. I'm 100% from the idea that I don't know how to teach them. Mm -hmm. And so like the educator is 100% responsible for showing the kids how to learn, teaching them how to learn, right? They're educators. But when it comes to the actual like material, that's been a point of contention with a lot of parents lately. Again, I don't deal with this. (laughs) I hear about this. All these are topics that like I hear on like the national level, but I haven't personally deal with. Mm -hmm. but they are concerning. And we got into this a little bit last week on, you know, gender Mm -hmm. in a world where kids are boys, they're girls, they're non-binary. They're all different things that again, I'm not an expert in this. I don't claim to be. So if I get any of this wrong, please have mercy. (laughs) But, (laughs) but yeah, they're taught some of these things. And like, at what point do you say an idea is bad? Mm. hmm how do you decipher, because we can basically just blanket state and say, well, whatever the educators teach is right,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or whatever the educators teach is good for the kids. Is that true? I don't think you would believe that. Hmm. It's not anything, right?
1: Well, anything that comes to their bodies or sexuality or anything like that. I'm curious as to, is there a class on this or something? I don't know. Or is it like hearsay from their friends At school? Or how is that being taught? Because, you know, like I said, mine are younger. And anything that so far has come down the chain, that's like, we're going to have a body safety class or something like that. They email the parents and say, like, is this acceptable? This is the topic. This is whatever. And you sign off. Yes, my kid can attend that. No, my kid cannot. But... (laughs) As they get older, I'm well aware there's like, you know, the different sex ed classes and stuff like that, which those are such blow off. Like Uh, when we were (laughs) in school, those were the dumbest classes.
0: Right. You learn sexuality from your friends, right? From your peers, just from whatever, like from society at large.
1: Yes. You learn more crap like through the grapevine of your peer group. And I think as parents, that's where it's our jobs to get ahead of some of that misinformation Mm -hmm. that the little friends are sharing. But yeah, I'm curious, like what is in schools now about that? Like, is there anything about that or it's just from their friends?
0: It's a good question. I think it's just from their friends. I don't think there's any kind of like class that they're going to where somebody's talking about LG, LBGT. Yeah. And I don't even get it used to just be LBGT right now. It's LBGTQ and there's more
1: QIA plus, which I actually do not know what all those things mean.
0: I mean, we're hip and we don't know this stuff, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd have to ask my kids what that is. Yeah. But I (sighs) think, all right, I got to sound like the bigot here. Not a bigot, but just like a ignoramus non-binary i've asked my kids multiple times like what is non-binary
2: mm-hmm.
0: they're like well it's a gender i'm like all right so there's girl boy and then there's non-binary what does that mean it just means they don't identify with one gender or the other
2: mm-hmm.
0: i'm like well what does that mean i know i sound like a grumpy old man That says, oh, what does that mean it's ridiculous you know <laughs> i don't think it's ridiculous i legit want to understand And literally just go in circles. I'm like, wait, I thought you could either be a girl or a boy.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I don't understand what... Okay, you don't know what you are? Mm -hmm. I thought you just looked in your pants and you knew what you were. (laughs) I know, it sounds ridiculous. Again, but I think this is what a lot of people think, especially a lot of parents. And is that being taught to the kids? Are they learning that from peers? Mm. I feel like we're getting into a culture, which terrifies me, is that you can't argue anything. like You can't go against any bad ideas. Hmm. You can't speak your mind on things that you don't think are accurate Mm -hmm. because you're just a bigot. You're just against LG. You're against the whole trans community. You're against this community. I'm not against anything. I don't understand the idea. It doesn't make sense to me. Why does everybody just have to succumb to this? I believe in everything. I respect everyone and everything and whatever you say. I'm like, Hmm. that's not the way freedom of speech works, right? You're supposed to have discourse. And like, there has to be a back and forth so that you could kind of flesh out good ideas from bad ideas. Hmm. What do you think?
1: For one, when my kids come home, asking a question like that, Mm -hmm. then that's where I would look up information and do my best to explain it in the best way I know how. Mm -hmm. And part of that explanation, even now, is that... We can care for a person and we can be friends with that person regardless of anything that's going on in their pants. Like, I don't need to know. Okay. You're a nice person. You're nice to me. I respect you. You respect me. We can be friends. I agree. I don't need to know which bathroom you go in. I don't care. Like, that's your business, you know?
0: And I hope I didn't sound like I cared. Like, the actual individual person, it's not like I dislike them because they have an idea that I don't agree with. Right. I'm just talking about the ideas. You know, that's all. The people are a whole different thing.
1: Yeah. And so that's where like, from a child's perspective, my kids anyways, I think they would only bring home that question if it was like a specific person that they're thinking of. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy for me to be like, is that a cool friend? Are they nice to you? Mm -hmm. Do they share their crayons with you? Okay, cool. We're good. Right. So when you put it Simplified and, you know, kind of bring it down to that individual human level, it's very easy for me. That doesn't mean I understand it. That doesn't mean I know or agree with or or whatever. I have no idea what their conversations with their parents are like. I don't know how to handle that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I understand it, but I can 100% advise my kids to still be nice to that person and that we can still be friends. Right. And same thing. I mean, we have different couples and friends that, you know, are lesbian or gay or whatever. And we don't like, you know, just talk openly like, oh, our lesbian friends are coming over <laughs> today. Like we don't say that. Okay. Of course. It, it's just so-and-so coming over. And then we were house sitting and my daughter looked at a picture and she was like, so they can get married. And I was like, yeah. And just left it there. And it's just like letting her just yeah. brew on that and let it be. And for her to be just shown that that's acceptable, she didn't really ask any other questions. She was just like, oh, okay. And mm. you know, just kept going.
0: I just think kids are so impressionable. And you know how kids are. I mean, kids want attention and they vie for attention. Some kids, some kids more than others. Mm -hmm. And when, what if it gets a little more controversial? What if one of your, you know, child's friends says, you know, whatever, I'm non-binary, I'm pansexual, I'm whatever. I'm something out of the realm of what we always thought was just boy, girl. And, you know, I go into a different bathroom than you, but I'm the same sex as you. Or it's more cool to be somebody like me than to be just a boy. When there's kind of a not manipulation, but when it becomes part of the culture of Mm -hmm. like, I want to be something different. I get more attention by being something different. I'm not just a boy or girl. That's boring. Like, I want to be, you know, something different. And then now the educators are like, yeah, you know what? That's great. We totally. Encourage you to explore that. Mm -hmm. And they start going down this road. Again, I'm projecting, I don't know how this would play out, but doesn't it seem like when you're young and impressionable, that could be something that could go down a wrong path Mm. where the kid now has this identity that he would normally not have because it's been encouraged? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: He's had this idea that came from out of nowhere. Now everybody else is encouraging it. He's getting attention for it. You know, it's more cool to be that in our society. I don't know. So to me, like somewhere along down that road can go off the rails. Hmm. Again, I've never dealt with this. You've never dealt with this. Maybe we'll never deal with it. Yeah. But I feel like when you don't challenge, I'm not even going to call it a bad idea. I'm just calling it ideas. You challenge ideas. We have to be able to question this stuff and get good explanations, not just be like, well, we just respect every idea that any kid has. No, you can't do that because there are bad ideas. And I get you're, you come from the compassionate side. Yeah. I get it. I think we're talking about two different things. I agree that you should respect and be compassionate to all people. But I also think you should speak your mind.
1: Yeah. It really so much so hinges on the discussions that they're having with their parents at home.
0: I agree. A lot of this, yeah, it's not coming from all the school. It's A lot of it's from... The parents in the home yeah.
1: i mean even so my husband teaches high school and he does have a large variety of cultures and genders and all kinds of different things going on in his classroom and even for him it's like okay what does that mean or whatever but mm-hmm. the kids that he has had that would say like oh, i'm non-binary or something like that They've been very open with him about what that means, you know, what to call me, Mm -hmm. all of that. And so he had to make some adjustments and try, right, to remember what to say. Right. But in general, they're pretty cool people that he's learned a lot from and that he enjoys having in their class. And they're involved in the class discussions. And having that variety in the classroom has even taught him a lot, Over the Mm -hmm. past couple of years, it's become even more important, right? So last year for him in that district, because he teaches in a different district than where we live. So that district, he didn't have any kids in his classroom. He taught on Zoom all day, every day alone. And it was really, really hard for him. So this year, just to have kids, even though they're wearing masks and all the challenges that are going on, he's just happy to have them. And he's happy to get to know them. And that interaction is what he really, really missed.
0: Do you know what his take is on the idea, like, whether or not he should be in charge of the material that the kids learn or the parents should be collaborating with him to decide on? Mm. Do you have any idea what his take is on that?
1: He is very like, I just do what I'm told.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm by the whatever the school tells me to do. I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. So, maybe it's more of an administrative thing, right? I
1: think so. At least where we live, we are not attending the meetings of the school board and, like, you know, saying what should be or shouldn't be in the curriculum. And I haven't seen anything in my kid's curriculum or heard anything from his side that we disagree with. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I could definitely see there being some changes to, like, different history lessons and things like that in the coming future. But. There are times where he has to do like the school will send out some PowerPoint presentation that he has to display in his class and he has to go through it. And it's something about, you know, maybe it's racism or maybe it's gender stuff or it's like whatever hot topic and that Mm -hmm. will come from the school district and he will just sit there and like play it and then just let it go. Like if the kids want to talk about it, he'll allow them to discuss But he veers very far from being like a pusher of any kind of topic. Okay. Because he also has the advantage of he's a math teacher. And so clearly when we're watching this PowerPoint, we are not talking about math. Right. So we want to get done with this so we can talk about math. Yeah. Because that's where he thrives. Okay. So when you're like the homeroom teacher or sex ed teacher or something like that, I think that is probably a much harder position to be in right now, rather than being like the math teacher.
0: Yeah, so I guess he hasn't really dealt with the power struggles that I'm thinking.
1: No, and the kids that he's had in his classroom, I mean, they aren't you know, being rude to each other about gender or race or identity or anything like that.
0: So once again, it's like literally the media I'm asking you you uh, your husband is a math teacher yeah. in Texas. I've asked yeah. two of my friends that are teachers in New York. Not that that's a huge subset of, you know, that big control group. Right. But I mean nobody's ever really heard of critical race theory that's not being taught. The gender mm-hmm. thing's really not an issue. I'm not dealing with it personally. Mm-mm. But if you listen to the news, you'd get up in arms about like, "Oh my god, I don't want them teaching my kids this and they're telling them this and you know, the parents are saying We don't want you to teach our kids this. And the administration is saying, we get to choose whatever because we're the educators. Just sit back and let us do our job. And Mm -hmm. this heated kind of like media portrayal of what's going on in the schools in our nation Hmm. is not really playing out. Maybe those are like little pockets of... And this is the whole problem with like media. Again, this is why I think I need a media fast. Mm -hmm. It's just you listen to this stuff and you think the whole world is like that. Gotcha. And you know, this goes back to what happened in Charlotte a few years ago. There was a riot here in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And it took up like a three block square radius place in uptown Charlotte. Now, I live 30 minute drive from uptown Charlotte. I tell you, everybody and their mother called me and asked me, Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Is everything all right? I'm like, This might as well have happened in California. Like, I'm so far away from. A three block radius of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But when you hear it in the news, you just think it's like everywhere and you think yeah. it's like real close to you and it's really affecting you. And man, I think the media is really, really exaggerating what's going on. And people are thinking that it's so close to home. I think it's what happened with the virus too, that like you hear these things on the news, the numbers and this and this an outbreak and the hospitals are overwhelmed. I'm like, if I didn't listen to the news, say I was like in a, like a log cabin for the last two years, I had no internet connection, no TV. I would not even know this was going on, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Literally, I'd be unaware of any of this, and I would have just went about my life. Yep. We all live in this like weird digital world where nothing's really happening to us. Granted, some people got COVID. Things are happening to them. There's right. But generally speaking, like you're listening to like this, like virtual world.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. It's on Twitter, on Instagram,
2: Facebook,
0: and it's all just spiraling in your head. Right. But then when you like really nail down into it, you're like, no, nothing's really happened. It's not really affecting my world. Like the kids don't know anything about what I'm talking about. I'm listening to the news and getting worked up for no reason. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So it's so, yeah, it's really bugging me out. And I guess I, I was never one to listen to news and I glad I didn't back there. I got to get back to not listening to all this crap.
1: Yeah. Well, and just think about it. Like their job is to make a story. Yeah. Their job is to put it in bold red letters across the screen and get your attention. Their job is to create that, you know, clickbait headline. Right.
0: But it wasn't always that way. Wasn't it supposed to be, There's supposed to be reporters that actually give you the news, like the Walter Cronkites and the. Yeah. Tom Brokaw, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you heard from like these like journalists and like they talk about the news and you believe that that was true. And like the whole world just agreed on it. Now they weren't trying to blow things up or dramatize. Yeah. Just give me the news, right? Give me the facts. But now it's like you said, it's clickbaity. It's very exaggerated. It's definitely slanted towards the negative. It's not news anymore. It should be just considered like entertainment, like reality TV.
1: I think you nailed it. It has somehow over the past, I don't know, 50 years, mm-hmm. morphed from information to entertainment.
0: Yeah. But nobody told the people listening to this that it's entertainment. They think it's the news.
1: Right. So people are still listening to it. As if. Thinking they're getting information. Mm-hmm. When instead, it's probably the same quote-unquote information they gave you yesterday, but it's just twisted differently and with a different headline and like a darker red color. And...
0: (laughs) Right. With a soundtrack, like boom, boom, boom.
1: (laughs) Dun, dun, dun.
0: Like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, before they say anything, you're like, what's happening? Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. All of that. All of that. Just the same way that they do, and I don't know what these studies are called, but where they map your eye movement Mm -hmm. on a certain website To where they can put certain images and, you know, make these bullet points here and whatever and make them skimmable and make it to where... Your eyes are drawn to the information where they want you to focus.
0: Wow. So artificial intelligence kind of stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. They do all this like attention mapping stuff just based on your eye movement on certain websites. It's the same crap that they do for the news. Right. What's going to get their attention? What's going to suck them in? What's going to have them like wanting more? And that's how they run the
0: story just studying like the history of the analytics like what Mm -hmm. got the biggest response Mm -hmm. do more of that do more of that do more of that Mm -hmm. that didn't work okay keep that out just do more of this stuff
1: yeah and same thing with anything okay like facebook ads okay say you're gonna run a facebook ad for your business like even if you went through an agency that's experts at this Mm -hmm. they will set up say five different ads different images, different fonts, different captions, all these different elements. They're going to run them all. They're going to see which ones get the most clicks, take all of them down except that one, and then they're going to turn around and create five different versions of that one. And then they're going to run the test again.
0: And keep whittling it down, right?
1: Yes. Every single thing that we see or do or exposed to or whatever, no matter which feed it's in, mm. is tweaked specifically to get you (laughs) essentially
0: yeah i feel like it's dangerous absolutely shelby told me an instant she went to lunch yesterday and she's sitting at this bar and having food with her friends and there's an older guy next to her and there's a couple of guys on the other side that are eating and one guy starts coughing and he's got a mask on but starts coughing and like you know how you get something caught in your throat
1: yeah, he just choked or something.
0: Yeah, he like hit the back of his throat wrong, and he couldn't stop coughing. The old guy basically says, hey, you need to leave. You can't be coughing in here like that. You're going to kill somebody. <laughs> You're going to kill somebody. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm vaccinated. He's like, I don't care. He's like, you need to leave this establishment." The guy's not even the owner. like. <laughs> He was just a patron.
1: Oh my god!
0: And it became this whole like kind of scuffle. They were leaving anyway, so the guy wound up just getting up and giving a dirty look and leaving. But it was so strange. Like, mm. jumped that moat of like, man, now you can't even cough in public, and if you cough, you're potentially killing someone. Like, this is the mentality that, like, yeah, the media has kind of pushed.
1: I have felt like that, like this whole time, because even like early 2020. Oh, yeah.
0: You don't want to cough in public.
1: Yeah. If you're like in the grocery store. Or
0: sneeze. Oh, God. Yeah.
1: Exactly. You like can't control, like you choke on your own spit. Okay. And like,
0: Yeah. That's like, it. Yeah. You just inhale and it hits the back of your throat. You're
1: just like, I'm sorry. I just don't know how to breathe. I mean, like sue me. Yeah, you
0: run out of the store in terror, right? That they're going to like.
1: <laughs> People are like oh, trying to get away from you. Yeah.
0: Like flames and pitchforks. <laughs> they're going to like chase after you.
1: Yeah. It has made me super aware of like any sounds or any like you know, you clear your throat or anything like that that you do in public. It's made me like ultra aware of like, oh, my God, now they think I have COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but they're just like shunning you. They're just like, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is, that was like an extreme case where the guy literally called them out. That's
1: crazy. I
0: can't believe that happens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's just choking, dude. Like, let him
0: breathe. And he was covering himself. It wasn't like he was just blatantly. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like across the room. It wasn't like he was even that close.
1: That's where you need like all the other customers in the restaurant to be like, sit down.
0: Sit well, down. the funny thing is, somebody fist bumped the old guy. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I was going to say that too." What? Like, agreed with the guy. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Oh
1: god. Okay, both of y'all sit down.
0: I'm like, what are you doing in a restaurant to begin <laughs> with? Let's just stay at home. Get that's true. Yeah,
1: that's the thing, and I think we talked about this a long time ago. Like, if you are that scared, stay your ass home. Exactly. Don't care what your status is. You're
0: around people. People cough sometimes. That's what happens.
1: Yeah. When you step out your door and you decide to go somewhere, you are putting yourself at risk. If you're uncomfortable with that, sorry. Right. Stay home. That's not anybody else's control or choice or whatever.
0: And where did that come from? Where did it escalate to the point where it's at where you literally can't cough in public without people calling you out?
1: Yeah, just the fear of, you know, even from the back and beginning of 2020, when we were all just wiping down our groceries because we (laughs) thought that germs could come in the house. (laughs) Like, because nobody knew. Right.
0: And then leaving them out to dry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, nobody knew. Well, it's like the
0: AIDS epidemic when people thought Mm -hmm. you can't, like, you know, sit in the same seat that somebody with AIDS. Right. can't touch them. You can't kiss them. And again, that was... Commonly held beliefs before the science came out of how it was transmissible.
1: I think we touched on this pre recording, but I think there will be adjustments and changes in behavior and laws and mm-hmm. medical treatments and in so many ways that we just absolutely can't even foresee, even being two years into this.
0: Oh, yeah. There's going to be people that'll wear masks for life, basically. Oh, I mean, yeah. Rest of their lives, they'll just this is what it is, right?
1: the science and tests and all that will still continue to come out. But yeah, unfortunately, it's just like you mentioned, like with the whole AIDS thing, it took years yeah, for truth to be known. And I think we're going to be in the same situation.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that note, Virginia, we can wrap it up. We didn't talk that much about education, but I know. <laughs> thanks for listening.